something in their wish list back in 2000 and like 15 or 16 or something boom and they just got it free now <laughs> it was and still in 2015 in there. man well your, your dreams can still come true years later you're probably like man i don't even have a tank anymore all right well anyway right on man all right so uh what we're gonna do is uh we'll read them off just a little bit i'm gonna try going super fast because uh there's so much and I don't know, they just sent an email that said that we gave away $12,000 in, in change. I think that was before I added today's winners. All right, today. I mean, so total, like, so far, boom, is $13,793 worth of orders that we've given back so far this, yeah. this uh, month, man. That's Much barely even started. That's four orders a day that I go back there at a random time and pick random orders and then just put the golden ticket in. And then there's four, or there's a wish list winner every day, too. So, oh, you know what I noticed here? What? I mean, I, I'm going to give it away yet, but there's a trend going. It's, uh, gonna, it's, gonna picking, up. Trend. it's yes. picking up. It's picking up. All right, so uh, Kelly Van Beek uh, from San Antonio, Texas, uh, $215. Uh, Justin Corley from uh, uh, Aldo, Texas, $45. Randy Emery, $12.45. Joshua Shirley, $95 or $92.28 from Lancaster. <laughs> Uh, Alfonso Fior, $139. Chad Willis, $24. Uh, John Fleck, $32. Mike Evans, $141. Jason uh, Betskick, uh, $500. Was that the guy that won the, the, the Trident? Trident? Trident, maybe. Man. I, it might be. That was pretty cool. It was man. pretty like, cool. At least they get it for like almost for free. Well, Adam, uh, we had that one set aside because it uh, had a little, little, small little blemish on the box. But then they decided, no, run that because we need to get him out the door. Mm -hmm. And so I went back there, and sure enough, that was one just standing there. I grabbed Boom. it. Boom! There he is. All right, Patrick Handel at $188. Craig Miller, $106. Uh, David Hughes, $48. Joseph Morgan, five hundred bucks. Uh, Chris Gordon, five hundred bucks. Capped it out. These are orders too. Yeah, these yeah. are orders, man. Like you spent five hundred bucks. No, you didn't. Make it to go buy something <laughs> new. Uh, all right, Kyle Brown, sixty-six bucks. Stephen uh, Pernvy, uh, three hundred and sixty-two dollars. Richard Mooser, thirty-three dollars. Paul Rock, sixty bucks. Michael Lindau, five hundred bucks. Johnny Carr, three hundred and two dollars. Ben Digman, 174 bucks. Matthew Coleman, 150. Joey's, oh, Julio Ortez, 206. Uh, Andrew Harrison, eight dollars. Uh, James Jacquees, uh, 99 dollars. Tyler uh, Carothers, 500 bucks. Maxed out, maxed out. Uh, uh, Michael Perry, 88 bucks. Alex Rhodes, 34 dollars. Boom, those are all orders. So everybody placed those orders, got the points back to them. Bravo, man, super awesome. Good luck. They're preferred reefers. You want to be a preferred reefer? There's like 8 million links on the site right now, but most like probably in the header is the easiest one to find, footer, wherever. 
Uh, Wishlist uh, is all right. This one has changed, man. The, you guys caught on. This is the last week of Wishlist. So the first week of Wishlist, the numbers were pretty low. I, mm-hmm. I think you know, like like 30, 60, maybe a couple hundred bucks here and there. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about all of the winners from the first week, and now here we are in the second week, Boom. and the tide has changed. Yeah, except for now, Land uh, Zoo is uh, five hundred bucks to Brooklyn. Uh, Eric Doodley, uh, five hundred bucks. William Cameron, five hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, I wonder what these are all in their carts, man. Uh, there was a, a couple Tridents, some uh, Apex gear, some Radeon, some Vortex, you know, all the stuff that you just hope and dream for. I know I was geeking out on this, so I went and looked at like the wish list stuff last week. And sure enough, man, you can see like people are actually like, oh yeah, with that. That, no, what that, no, what that, yeah, like uh, it's not just going throwing like an apex in your uh, account, man. Like, no, these are the things I actually really want, so that's pretty cool. Uh, then we got Matthew uh, Orica for $209, Bradley Pafu, uh, 500 bucks, uh, Kim Dung, 109 dollars, and Pedro Tena, 319 bucks. Sounds awesome, boom, for a total. I mean, added with uh, the uh, one from last week, yeah. $13,793.98. $13,793.98. Which is almost a thousand bucks a day. Boom. Just, un, just under a thousand bucks a day. Oh, man. Right. This is going to be the most unprofitable month of all time. more than it hurts me. Yeah, it probably does. Uh, I bet you this one like will be like negative profit month. Uh, like, I'll go down in history like, Ryan, that was the dumbest thing you ever did. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, bravo, man. I'm hoping, like, I mean, that number will probably more than double by the end. So like uh, by the 30th, yeah. man, uh, 500 going up. I mean, if you got 150 bucks in your uh, wish list, you're and we call you, wrong. you're gonna say, why do I get 500 bucks? <laughs> uh, and so I bet you that thing's gonna end at 30 grand this end of this month. That's pretty good, because 30, 35 grand. That's more than our 20k giveaway dream tank. Dude, it is. It, it is. Oh my god! Don't <laughs> say that to Bob, man. That's, it's gonna come and be so much trouble. Sorry, Bob. Uh, all right. Awesome, <laughs> man. So uh, those who don't know, it's me, Fritty, uh, Mr. Chili's uh, anniversary. It's been 15 years. He's been with us from MJ Mods, Reef Chili, yeah. uh, Two Part Solution, all the variants of Bulk Resupply, and uh, just thought we'd celebrate his existence on the planet. Yeah. Uh, by giving away 10 extra boards, so uh, all the BRS products out there, you get 10% back to buy your own stuff, and we're giving away stuff every day. So every single day, four of those cards, whatever those cards went, oh. four of those cards go in your catalog. You open up your catalog in your order. If you see that thing, man, you won. And Look uh, inside the catalog. That's yeah. the key here because these fit almost perfectly inside the catalog. So if you just throw your catalog away, you might not get your little card in there. Boom. Uh, I mean, that so would be pretty check tragic. the catalog. Yeah, check the catalog. The catalog's in there. And uh, there you go, man. So uh, be part of the fun. Preferred reefer. It's easy to sign up. It's all over the website. Oh, click those click you know, here. Somebody said, yeah, I can't afford it. It's uh, free. It's free. Yeah, it's free. So uh, <laughs> if you go and create an account and hit the button, you now get rewards. Uh, it's 5x normally. It's 10x now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're giving away, we give away stuff every week usually. Today we're giving it now like 4x uh, For the every month. day. Yeah. Giving away carts. We're giving, or not carts. No more carts. Wish carts list. We're not doing carts anymore. Yeah. Uh, we're giving away wish lists and we're giving away, uh, that's a good point. For all these, you used to put stuff in your cart and wait for it. Which we no did more. on. Yeah, we did on Mondays. So we used to pull carts as you were shopping for them. So now you don't have to have all that stuff in there when you just need some GFO. Mm-mm. So, mm-hmm. unless you had yeah. GFO in it. Yeah, so no more cart because that's just a big pain in the butt to pull all that stuff out of your cart, put it in your wish list, much easier. Yeah. All right, so. Did Agreed. you see my post on, on uh, Facebook I did. yesterday? Yeah, so I sat down. I, I just saw it this morning. Uh, so I sat down with. Drew and we were kind of hashing out what Black Friday looks like for us in the videos. And last year we did 
nothing but uh, we'd come in here, we'd do live streams for like an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, and just kind of BS about stuff, answer questions, look at the products on Black Friday. And then you came up with the big bright idea of uh, 24 hours of reefing. No, it's still stuck in here. Mystery Science Theater. Uh, all, all, I used to watch a lot of that. So, yeah, I know exactly where, where, where you're going with it. And so I'm we're, down. We're 100%. thinking, man, we're going to stitch together all of the 52 weeks of reefing yeah. into one episode. We'll play it like our uh, theater in here somewhere or whatever. Put up a couch or whatever. Mystery Science Theater and uh, 24 hours of reefing <laughs> straight, man. Uh, Randy and I. Commenting. Yeah, you know, heckling me. Yeah, I uh, just uh, answering uh, questions that flow in. I mean, once in a while, I said the guy was smart. Sometimes dumb, you know. Uh, so we don't do that. We don't we do that stuff anymore. since 2015 <laughs> or whatever it was. Is that so? That's just 52 weeks straight through the one through 52. You also have the FAQs. You have the updates. Depends mm. on what fills up 24 hours, I guess. If you're playing nonstop, those were like 30, 45 minute episodes. I think it might, it might, I don't know if it's exact, certainly not exactly 24 hours, but right around there. It's 24 hours of reefing, Red Bulls, you know, we'll keep it going. I don't know if I can really do that. We might have to bring in some stand-ins uh, during the wee hours of the morning. Have oh, a you couple. just get like little puppets? It is kind of silhouette, <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> uh, all right, well, anyway. Hey, so, if you want to, so yeah, you want to see 24 hours of reefing? Um, there's a post on the SBRS TV Facebook group, but go in that there and check it out. That was my most popular post of all time. I got like no. 500 likes in like uh, <laughs> the first like three minutes. Yeah, uh, it was it's pretty. never been done. Yeah. We all can right. do it. Awesome. So what do we got to answer today? Well, we got a few things to answer. I pulled uh I pulled a couple things that were some somewhat interesting. We'll save the plants one last. Uh, AWC. Let's start from the left to work our oh. way up. All right. Uh, Bob was just you know checking out calcium reactors and those who run it and asked if we're still pulling uh, daily auto water changes and if so what percentages and do you feel there's any benefits to doing so a couple of questions is there benefits to doing uh, smaller changes as opposed to a larger monthly change uh, and are you using a calcium reactor and still doing auto water changes? So uh, I'm trying to follow the that question as to why, if you're doing a calcium reactor, why would that matter with water changes? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I, I wonder if the assumption is that there is a amount of trace elements and uh, the bicarbonates and carbonates that keep up your tank where with the Triton it was understood that it's trace elements and it's taking care of you know your alkalinity and calcium I don't really need to do water changes anymore uh, maybe the same as with the calcium reactor because they're under the inception that so it has I don't trace think elements. that it, the, wa the water changes replace them all like that mm -hmm. probably uh, enough in, in most cases but uh, or no I mean the calcium reactors but like there's so many reasons to do a water change at, at this point you know like you're you know, getting rid of nutrients, yeah. you're getting rid of toxins that the corals create, you know, that de defend their little areas. You are, you know, any in unintentional toxins that get in there. You tr balance of the chemistry, trace elements and whatnot, and may maybe like major or, yeah. or minor elements rather. Yeah, because not everything probably depletes at the same rate, uh, yeah. the same ratio. So you can probably adjust those up or down depending on which one by a water change. So I don't think I don't think the calcium reactor really you know like uh, there's no reason to not do water changes if you got a calcium reactor especially if it's auto water change too if it's, oh, it's auto, auto then there's really no reason not to do them at all like, yeah. why just the, use auto the auto water change is the one great like unifier man that just like you know make sure that like 
almost every problem you'd have with chemistry won't exist. Mm. You know, like uh, most common ones anyway. Yeah. Uh, just your auto water changing it out happens every day, all the time. And uh, you know, when you're doing a two, two uh, calcium reactor, it's basically like dosing diluted two part all day long. Right? Yeah. You know, it's just a really big, long dose of two part essentially that maybe has some other elements in mm. there as well. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, you know, from what we're finding from salt salt water storage, you know, mixing up a, a bin of sixty gallons or forty, ga you can get a forty four gallon brute trash can, which you know, for a lot of people, that'll last them several days or weeks mm -hmm. for auto water change system and uh, not affect if chemistry. There's only days, man. That would last. That'd be one big. Could be a big tank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, well, uh, interesting. The second part of his question was, uh, do you find you're getting more benefit from regular, continuous, smaller water changes or? Like something larger, like a monthly or maybe every two weeks or three weeks or stretch. For out. sure, stability pays off everywhere. Like it, uh, there's a lot of corals that maybe like probably wouldn't care one way or another. Like uh, I find personally, the like zoanthids and the zinia and the softies and stuff like don't really seem to be as finicky about perfect water chemistry and yeah. wouldn't do 20% water change. They shrink up for a minute and pop back out. Uh, but mm -hmm. when I'm talking about like my sticks and the SPS corals, stability, stability, stability. Like, so if you're not happy with the coloration and growth, find ways to give more stability, mm -hmm. and it will come. Well, uh, it, with a large, if you're doing a large one once a month or maybe even a couple of weeks, uh, it's harder to get that stability because now you're you're making mixing up a larger volume of water, which means you have more parameters that you have to like match or you want to match before you do the water change. Temperature's got to be right, levels have got to be right. You're draining the tank down a certain level, so you know you might expose some of your more sensitive corals to air or what have you. Just less variables when you're doing a continuous change all the time, I guess. Yeah, and some people say, you know, in tidal reefs, corals get exposed uh, to the Not ocean, true. but they might also be brown. You know, uh, <laughs> so like you know, we're looking to maintain the most brilliant color possible, mm. and stability is definitely what provides that. So uh, yeah, I would personally, it's if you do a large water change once a month, uh, technically you are maybe not even technically you are being more efficient with your salt mix. Right? Yeah, uh, I will get more dollar value out of my salt mix because I'm you know taking out thirty gallons and replacing thirty gallons. Right. If I do a uh, uh, you know, a gallon a day every day. Essentially, I'm taking out, you know, old water, but also a little bit of the water I took out yesterday, or put in yesterday, ah, and true. so on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of inefficient, but man, I mean, it depends on how efficient you want to be, but, uh, you know, the net net of the savings is probably like $3 a month, you know? So I would do what produces the best health for the animals that you care for, uh, not necessarily try to save 3 bucks. Makes sense. You know, uh, that'd be my own take on it anyway. Ah, three bucks. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for most people, really is probably in the neighborhood. Like, yeah. It, it, so when you're talking efficiency, make sure you're talking about you know in an area that that matters because if you are more efficient, uh, but like uh, the animals you care for are less happy, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that was a good investment. Yeah. Oh, so, true. Yeah. Oh. All right. Oh, there's a couple questions over here. So uh, I got a 75 gallon tank. I'm adding plants. Uh, should I use a CO2 if uh, what rate uh, should I? So hmm. I'm adding plants. So we do have a question that I pulled, and they probably that read the title. Like they read water. the title here. It could be freshwater. Right, uh, if well, you're adding, Jerry, plants. I think you, you you came to the reefing site to ask a freshwater question. I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, well, there is Cato. That's plants. 
Um, you're usually trying to suck the CO2 out of a saltwater tank. Oh, should you use CO2? Yeah. Um, oh, so for those who don't know, if you have a planted tank, almost everybody will add CO2, CO2 back to the tank yeah. because you need to grow, uh, or you need CO2 to grow the plants and the freshwater tanks don't have a ton of uh, surface tension uh, and they consume all the CO2 uh, pretty fast. Mm. So uh, they actually dose it to the tank. In a saltwater tank, uh, trying to get rid of CO2. Super important to get rid of CO2 because the acidity of the water directly mm -hmm. slows down calcification of the tank and lowers the pH. So okay. uh, I don't know, Jerry. Uh, I would not. If you have a reef tank, I don't care if you're putting uh, catamorpha or any other plant in there. I would never dose CO2 to the tank. No. I can't think of a single scenario. No. Um, to some degree, there's CO2 going in from a calcium reactor, but by the it's yeah, so not, it's not directly dosing CO2. But you prefer it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't think of a single beneficial reason as to dose CO2 uh, uh, that is long term. Uh, so there you go. Cool. Uh, how, how do you, you related to that man? How do you lower pH? I bought more coral, so I just shoot that one over there. Uh, how do you can you read that one for me? Uh, how do you lower pH? I bought more corals just so I could up my calc and raise pH. Mm. Uh, I rooted it on. Uh, he started it as, on as slowly, and it rose from 7.8 to 8.3. Then uh, changed as it kept going. Uh, about 8.5 now, but as high as 8.7. So I've seen that with Kalkwasser too. So if you if you have a scenario where there's not a lot of CO2 in the surrounding room, like you uh, don't have a lot of pets or like your house is old and leaky. Well ventilated, yeah. Um, you know, new houses, I say that because new houses are just so sealed, sealed up. They yeah. like either have an air exchanger to solve that problem or like all the carbon dioxide just gets crapped, uh, trapped in there. In an older house, uh, like I, I live down the street over here, and uh, you know, in this uh, tiny house that like just leaked air out of every hole in the whole place. Yeah. Uh, CO2, uh, not a problem, man, ever. Hmm. So, but yeah, in a newer house, it's different. So, lowering the pH, though, it, in that case, you just stop dosing so much. You're, you're have to get rid of the calc, yeah. Uh, mm. so, uh, so, or I make it diluted. So you're probably mixing it up to max saturation. Two teaspoons, yeah. Uh, so maybe I'd use one teaspoon per gallon of water, mm -hmm. or you know, it just may not be the ideal solution in your tank. So in general, like for those who don't know, and we get this question all the time, you know, about pH. So like people ask all kinds of weird stuff, like you know, if I get pH. more oxygen in there, oxygen has nothing to do with pH at all. Uh, the pH in your tank, provided the alkalinity is on, is like almost exclusively related to one thing. The amount of carbon dioxide that's in the room from pets and people breathing and how much of it ends up in the tank uh, just through gas exchange in your skimmer and surface. That, that CO2 gets in the water, turns into carbonic acid, and lowers the pH of the tank. Mm. So almost exclusively. And so like if you see people who have reef tanks and stuff uh, at uh, restaurants, it's super, super hard to uh, maintain the pH oh, in those yeah. environments. That makes sense. Uh, I used to have a friend who took care of uh, one, and he, they had like parties there on the weekends. And the weekends, uh, the pH would just plummet. Oh, man. man. It, was so, it, was like, it was like a dance party at this yeah. uh, 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 place. And so... Like it was really, really, really hard to take care of that tank in there, in that environment. So here, like it uh, happens here too. So there's a hundred people working here. And in this environment, uh, the pH goes down on the weekdays. Yeah, the weekends, weekends, pH goes up like solid. three points, yeah. three tenths of a point because there's nobody here breathing, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so 
high pH is almost never a problem. If you're like, if you're not dosing this kind of stuff, yeah. but your pH is too high, it's one of a couple of reasons. One uh, hmm. is because your test kit's garbage. And there's uh, that. Or, or you've been testing wrong or your probe's wrong or whatever, because being consistently over uh, you know, 8.3 or even 8.5 or whatnot, is pretty rare right. as a natural occurrence. And so if you're like at 8.7, it's because you're dosing too much of something and you should scale it back. Or the test kit. Or the test kit. Or like this one's an oddball one. Not oddball, actually it's pretty, used to be more common than it is today. Or you're dosing something called pH buffer up deluxe, right? Oh, and yeah. so somebody told you you should you know, dose a whole bunch of pH buffer to get your pH up. And to be honest, man, if you're dosing any chemical to the tank other than just maintaining alkalinity uh, for proper reason or proper alkalinity in your tank, mm -hmm. if they dosing anything in addition to that, you're probably doing it wrong mm. uh, in almost every case. Because even Kelkwasser or two-part or whatever, you're, the goal of the Kelkwasser is actually to maintain calcium and alkalinity. The elevated pH is just a pleasant byproduct of that. If that's what you yeah. need, yeah. I wouldn't dose more to raise the pH. No, 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 know, no. I'd only dose the amount of calcium alkalinity that I need. So if you're using pH buffer deluxe, uh, a lot of times what that has in it is uh, borate salts in it, which artificially keep the pH, I shouldn't say artificially, it actually does keep the pH really high, oh. but it's a type of alkalinity that your tank doesn't consume, Yeah. right? So. And so you keep adding this stuff in, into the tank and Showing it's good like pH. tricking yourself that you have a whole bunch of carbonate alkalinity in the tank and you don't because you got a bunch of borate in there. Hmm. The pH is super high and, and worse yet, I'm, I'm adding the pH buffer deluxe to the tank over and over and over again, yeah. trying to get this like mythical 8.3 and I'm not watching alkalinity for some reason <laughs> and the alkalinity is shooting through the roof. Bad news. Yeah. I, I just can't think of a single reason to use that other than a fish only tank. And even in there, I don't know if I really need to maintain the 8.3 in that environment. No. But in a fish only tank, I don't really need carbonate alkalinity. Any, you know, the borate alkalinity is probably just fine and hmm. easier to maintain, maybe. Hmm. So, you know, I don't run a lot of fish only tanks, but that might be yeah. one instance, but in a reef tank, never. Yeah. Never. So, uh, I'm, yeah, my, my question is, is if he's testing uh, alkalinity on here because it's just that he got more corals so that he could increase the calc and raise pH. So definitely worth, like, checking alkalinity. Any reason to get more corals is a good one. Uh, well, that's true, too. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, okay. How do you lower pH? Oh, that was a yeah, we just did that okay. one. Uh, can I add natural sand from the ocean to my aquarium? I think you did a... FAQ video on this for the 52 weeks or something like that or we had talked about it you talked about it one time in a video because I remember listening in and the uh, the stuff the organics and the maybe contaminants or whatever's out there in the ocean especially on the edge of most populated where if there's an edge of an ocean there's probably population there in which case uh, there's probably some sort of contaminants or runoff from streets or all kinds of stuff that could be in there and Maybe not wise. Maybe you could dry it out and then rinse it and cure it, maybe? This is what I'd say, man, is uh, if you're looking at a beach, and at that beach you can see a bunch of parked cars, 
whatever comes off the car is probably in the beach. Mm. If you can see in there suntan lotion bottles, in any direction, around. <laughs> yeah, like if you can see garbage and pollution around, man, garbage and pollution in the sand. Yeah, right? true. It's also in the tidal areas of the sand, but like. So let's just say you found a nice place that's outside of that. Right. Still, like, uh, you collect some sand. By the way, I don't know if that's legal or not. It probably depends on the state. But oh, you go yeah. out there and plug, uh, pull out a bunch of sand. It can still have all kinds of muck and organics in it, so mm-hmm. you're going to want to filter it uh, out in some manner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the benefit is it probably has, like, a whole bunch of, uh, like, copepods and little life and stuff in it. Which uh, could also be a dangerous thing on the reef pest side. Yep, so I'll, I'll share that. So my first tank I ever had uh, was uh, from Tampa Bay Saltwater Rock. Super cool stuff. You get it filled with all kinds of life, man. Mostly filter feeders that you know ultimately don't make it, but it gives it mm-hmm. a you know a year, 18 months for you to have this really awesome tank. It's like instant tank, and then you can kind of like you know edge your way into adding your own corals and stuff as uh, different things happen in the tank. Mm. So, but in there, man, like I saw some kind of weird underwater centipede in there. So it comes with sand, by the way. Ship water, the rock ships with water in it, airport to airport from Tampa Bay. And then, uh, like, it comes with a bag of sand that they took out of the ocean, you know. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, the tank cycles like so fast, man. That's and, cool. like, part of a reason why I think a lot of people will just be instantly successful and they don't have to deal with, uh, I mean, there's just some amount of cycle. But like, I'm not talking about the ammonia cycle. I'm talking about like avoiding all kinds of uh, weird, you know, cyano and yeah. diatoms and all that stuff. Ugly like, brown fish. You know, like the, the tank man is just biologically stable really fast in mm. that. But man, I got those. Uh, I can't think of the isopods, man, that yeah. attach to the fish's gills from that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. got uh, the little fluke things that, and some things attached to their tails. Mm-hmm. I got. You got buttfish uh, too, didn't you? No, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. Oh, got okay. a buttfish. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of cucumbers. Cucumbers like to go and crawl into skimmers and chew themselves up for ah. whatever reason. Uh, there's three of them that went for the same thing of ever laying boundaries of trying to prevent them. They didn't care. They, just, that's Still, they want to be in the skimmer. And it was on the top of the tank, too. Like, they crawled up the wall for it. It was, like, it was a siren song. That's you know, great. I don't know, man. It was really crazy. Uh, but, yeah, so you dig the stuff out of the ocean, and then good stuff comes, bad stuff comes. You know, kind of a gamble. Uh, if you're just trying to save money... Yeah. Uh, by taking it out of the ocean and it's legal and wherever you're at what i would do is just take a take a big bucket yeah. and you coil a hose around in the bottom of it and then fill all the sand in turn the hose on and it just kind of tumbles the sand and the garbage flows out out of the top yeah. right yeah. and so let it run for an hour or two or whatever and you'll probably have you know essentially tumble cleaned it and then you save a bunch of money uh but in terms of like the bio- biology of it at that point is probably dead. Yeah, you know, from fresh chlorine. Water, yeah, well, and there's water. probably chlorine yeah, and stuff in there to kill everything. But I don't know if it was me. I'd probably rinse it like that and then lay it out on something and dry it and then rinse it again. And you know, another thing to think about in this case, too, you know, uh, is the size of the sand. Oh, right. a lot of the beaches are really fine grain too, aren't they? Yeah, so like people, uh, the number two selling sand, or number one historically was this Fiji pink stuff, which is like, oh, you yeah. know, a little bit bigger. And all it is is just sand that they sprinkled some quartz, pink quartz bits into it. Makes it look you know, a it little pink. It doesn't naturally come from the <laughs> beach that way. 
but like uh, actually the special grade is the most popular here. Yeah. There's one size up from that because after that it starts to get really coarse and like uh, it's looks like, like gravel. calcium reactor media almost. Yeah, yeah. it gets yeah, too big. But at the special grade it's like just big enough that it doesn't move around as much mm -hmm. and stays put and still looks okay. You get finer than that and then like in any flow tank that has, you know, kind of today's standard of flow, this stuff blows all over the place. So whatever beach you're at, I'd make sure that, like, it's in a particle size that isn't going to drive you nuts yeah. later, you know? Yeah. So the answer is yes and no. Uh, you know, understand what you're getting into and why you're doing it. Uh, and it can save you a bunch of money, though, because, you know, what's a bag of sand cost these days? Oh, uh, like you know, It's about a buck a pound, isn't it? Yeah. So hundred bucks, man. You got hundred bucks of you know sand or hundred pounds of sand in the bottom mm -hmm. of your hundred gallon tank to save you hundred bucks. Uh, so you know, probably. All right. Uh, all uh, right. Let's, let's hit another. Question. Yeah, let's hit another question. All right. um, dry. Let's talk about dry skimming real quick. Dry skimming. All right. So, Brad was wondering. He said he so he's been told to dry skim, but he's not entirely sure what it is and how to do it. All right. And. I guess we should add in there why we, why would you want a dry skim too, but oh, basically dry skim to me means that there's I don't know. So wets here. Let me start with wet skim to me. Wet skim to me means uh, there's this post on Ask BRS TV a while ago. It was a poll and it was rate your skimmer your skimmate cup uh, color and there was like coffee brown. There was like coffee. There was you know all these different types of thickness and brown and colors and stuff like that, light tea or something like that. So wet skim to me means your skimmer cup is probably filling up every few days to you know maybe a week. Uh, it's a brown liquid that you can sort of see through. Uh, so it's a lighter brown liquid and mostly and really mostly in the cup is like somewhat liquid. Uh, not a whole lot of thick, you know, pasty type skimmate. And then dry skim is probably opposite of that to where the neck of the skimmer uh, is thick with like you could scrape it out in your hand and slop it in the sink or what have you. Uh, there's probably less liquid in the cup but the liquid that is in the cup is really dark, really thick um, and dry. Oh. Right. So for me, uh, this is all like up to uh, anybody. You know, you, there's no right answer, right an wrong answer. For wet, wet skim means just there's a consistent amount of foam coming over the edge, mm -hmm. like in like it's going pretty consistently. Uh, I've seen in environments where it's just kind of almost constantly flowing, right? Mm -hmm. In that case, it's mostly water. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of there's some organics in there, but there's a lot of water, and uh, you know you're essentially removing salt water with that, and so you got to make sure you stay on top of your ATO and stuff. I remove a gallon of salt water every day in yeah. a big cup, and you know I got to replace it. Yeah, can't replace it with fresh water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your salinity will start to go down. And then alternative to that is dry, which is like this kind of foam that just kind of like puffs up, pops, puffs up, pops, puffs up, and then a little bit flows over the edge of your cup. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I've seen in both cases that you get like a whole bunch of stuff inside of there. Mm -hmm. You know, the answer to that question though of, of which one's best. Whichever one's removing the most fish turds from your tank, you know, <laughs> right? And so it's like flushing the toilet. Remove more water doesn't help anything, uh -huh. uh, but it, you know it might remove a little bit more, you know, if there's more action going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the big thing of trying, like trying to 
I, I just say this, man. Actually, I wouldn't chase wet, dry. I chase consistent. Yeah. So set it up to wherever it's consistently removing some because outside of that, if I try to go too dry, it will work for a little while and then it won't work. And okay, too wet, it's overflowing all over the place. Yeah. So find it somewhere in the middle. And I'll personally say that when I'm cleaning my skimmer cup, that like, I don't know, that muck that's inside, yeah. you know, is more satisfying than the liquid. Yeah. Because if I drawed that liquid out, there'd probably be only like this much uh, actual like uh, you know organics on the bottom mm -hmm. of it. That muck, man, you dry it out, and there's a lot. Right? <laughs> and so like, I don't I don't mind if the neck co collects a whole bunch of that muck, and yeah. as long as you remove it and like get it out of the tank, because I mean I might look at that muck and scoop it all out of there, you know, and. To me, it might actually look like, oh yeah, that looks about the six things of food I put in last week. You know, uh, and if it does, it's probably close to that. You yeah. know, whereas the tea-colored water, I don't know, you know. I've heard people use uh, wet skimming like at the tail end of maybe some medications that they've done to the mm -hmm. tank, or if something is in the tank contaminant, like you can do a series of water changes and have the skimmer work for you by wet skimming or more wet skimming where it's just a lot of liquid and brown so it can mm -hmm. help pull out some of that type of stuff too. So in, there might be times when I would choose to go a little wetter than others, yeah. but. We've hooked it up to like a five gallon bucket and let it run. Like if we thought there was something in there, yeah. and just let it run. With a know, hose out there. hose yeah. coming out, like get it, get it pretty high. Uh, you can take, you know, somebody just like doing water changes that way actually. Oh yeah. yeah so that. like that's the way they're doing their water changes, Skimming making the skin may go super wet, and then if it does that, essentially you're doing a concentrated water change. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm you know doing a water change that is like removing the high organic laden water change. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think there's some wisdom in there if you've got patience for it. It's got to uh, take a while. Personally, I'd rather just do. It twice the water don't, change. Don't, don't, don't. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but there's something to be said for efficiency. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, let's see. Mixing salt water. Uh, this was a quick one. I was just kind of running through and it was just posted as I was pulling them. But uh, Janelle was wondering, she's a, filling up the brand new tank today. Is it better to mix the salt water in the buckets first or just add salt to the tank once it's full? I think this is the one, and my answer here is the one time that you ever could just mix the salt water in the tank. I've I done would. it before. Yeah. You just fill up a brand new tank. I obviously I think I haven't done it with like rock in the tank. I'll do the water and then do get the water full and get the sump full and then start adding my rock in. Uh, not sure how much of the granules like stay in the surfaces of the rock and eventually over it. I mean, it's going to sit in water for the rest of its life now. It'll probably it'll dissolve out, uh, so it's probably not a big deal. But I've mixed it just in empty tanks. I would absolutely do it in the tank. And the reason being for that is that if you got a you know 150 gallon tank and you got a 30 gallon drum to do your water change in, it take you forever. I have to mix this up like five times to fill the damn thing up. You know, so uh, I'm gonna put RO water, let the Straight RO water fill too. up yep. until it's full. You know, hopefully with a flow valve or something. Uh, and then mix it right in there. And yeah. I, I personally not super worried about like some of it gets in the rock. You know, that's a million miles from my concern. Yeah, uh, it'll dissolve. Not a big deal. And to be honest, what we're learning about you know mixing up your salt water and stuff is uh, really the best practice is probably to do it in heated you know water with flow for more Over, than 24 hours. Yeah. 
Which is the tank's pretty thick. The, the tank is heated. As long as There's in flow. It. Yeah. 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 And just start mixing it. And then it's going to stay mixed too. It's so. probably going to do better in the tank than it would in your bin uh, in that environment. Yeah. Uh, provided you like, don't have livestock of any kind in there. But then that's the only one. That's the only time that I would do it. Oh, like, there we go. Uh, Ryan Herdman. Bergia is on its way. Just sent out the door. Oh, you ordered hey. our Bergia? A Bergia. Our. Our. Uh, our Bergia. Oh, hey, can you bring that one up, man? Ryan Heathman. Yeah. Where'd you order from? Uh oh. Salty, Salty Underground? Salty, Salty Underground. I think it's one of those two. <laughs> Forgive me, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. It's either Salty Underground throw or Salty Critter. Throw your link up there in the yeah. comments. Uh, throw in the comment. We'll, uh, we'll put it up. And so, uh, by the way, so we got we were talking about Aptasia and stuff in this tank. We got a mountain of Aptasia. Number one piece of advice don't try to kill it. All you can do is spread it. Yes. So, what's the number one advice? Don't, don't kill, kill it. it. All you'll do is spread <laughs> it. So, uh, what we're going to do is uh, put a bunch of Bergy in there and they'll eat them all up. And uh, we'll share the journey. Uh, so I got a little update video that we're going to plan here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll show you exactly how, when you look how close, I can't see it right now, but you look how close, you can see exactly how many Aptasia are in there because we got dumb and tried to kill them. And uh, just spread them around. Bad. And then we will go ahead and uh, wipe them out with some Bergia. And so uh, the guys over at Salty Something, is uh, gonna help us out yeah. and uh, and you'll hopefully watch the progress and say oh man Ryan, take my money yeah so for what he said is the little guys yeah, uh, yeah. will eat more than the big guys big guys breed yeah little guys hold on tighter and super high flow tanks high flow tank though too so yeah like you they hold on right. you're gonna have little guys floating around there right. it is, salty underground. Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. Thanks, Ryan. It's salty underground. Man. <laughs> I mean, I don't kill me, Ryan. I'm so sorry. If you send me hate mail in my email, I'll understand. But <laughs> only one, please. No, a uh, big thank you to Ryan. I, I reached out to him, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, man. I watch those videos all the time. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah, and so I'm like, that's oh, cool. that's my greatest, my, my favorite phone call of the day. Because we need the help. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and then, you know, and just like, just share the news. You know, because a lot of people heard Bergen. For those you don't know, Burgers are little nudibranchs that like to eat Aptasia. And uh, it's the only thing they'll eat in the tank. It's perfect. And they'll just crawl around, eat, they'll breed, and uh, like uh, slowly wipe them out. They may not get every last one. And you know, you might have to spend, you know, each one of these things is like 20 bucks or yeah. something like that. And you might have to spend a couple hundred bucks in them to get enough to like really do it in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. But think about how much you spend on every coral. If every coral that they're stinging is uh, oh. 60 bucks, doesn't take long before 200 bucks in Bergia start to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Devin, uh, Devin makes wants us to make sure that we don't have any wrasses out there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we were trying super hard to get the wrasse out of here. True story. And then I don't know. I'm just gonna say that I feel really fortunate that the eel ate him. Oh yeah. You okay. Know? So let me tell this. I'll tell this. So we've had the six line in here. We've been trying to catch him. I think upwards of three weeks now. Uh, we've. They've built this like uh, screen net top corral that was on PVC pipe to try to get them to go through. Uh, had the the box in here with the trap and all kinds of stuff. The turn the turn cool. the red light. That was really cool. Like Jeremy from Brightwell, he turned you onto that one. Mm -hmm. Turn your tanks to turn the lights off around the tank. Turn your tanks to red light if you have the LEDs, uh, or use a, like you can even use like a red light flashlight, I guess, on, mm -hmm. on your head. Uh, and they can't see red light, so you can't. They can't see the net coming in. But he was really smart. The six line for anybody who's tried to catch a six line, you guys already know. Like, this is one of the toughest things to do in reefing, especially when it comes to like catching fish. Uh, and he, the red light would come on, and he wouldn't dart away, but he knew exactly where to end up going inside the corals. So. 
was it a couple days ago? Uh, Josh had trimmed off some corals here that was um, fell victim to some like paralysis and things, and oh, actually fell victim to the aptasia because yep. it got stung. Uh, so he removed that small little colony, and it opened up this cave inside the rock, and that was the cave that was just underneath the uh, the eel. And uh, we think that the half a body of a six line rat that we found was he got chomped. Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe it sounds terrible. We're it's happy that the eel ate him, but I'm gonna own it. And you know <laughs> what? Uh, it's it's gonna help us save a lot of other animals that are yeah, in the true. tank. And it's part of nature. Yeah, you know, true. the other day, you know, for those of you who watch my uh, Instagram, uh, I got baby foxes that live in my backyard. Mm. And my wife is trying to figure out why the, all the ducks that live in the backyard, why there's no duck babies. <laughs> there's a the, reason. The foxes are eating all the <laughs> eggs, man. <laughs> and so, you know what? I mean, it's just part of nature. Dude, you know, without one thing, you don't have the other. So, yeah. you know. Every time I put fish food, cubes of fish food in there, there's some shrimp or animal that died to feed the fish, so so be it. Yeah. Uh, but it they're was. out. So now, yeah, you don't want to have, uh, thank you, Devin, for bringing that up. Yeah. And uh, No wrasses. The wrasses will eat it. In fact, that specific wrass was eating money-eating nudibranchs. The whole reason he was put in the tank was to get rid of the money-eating nudibranchs that we had in there. Yeah, and you know what? Then we put him in there, he killed something else too. So uh, oh, maybe yeah, that's why that's I don't true. like him so much. Yeah. Is uh, my favorite fish in the universe, a little uh, four-wheel uh, signal gobies. You know, he's having like, a lot of success with them. And he went in there and just harassed him to him death yeah. immediately. First thing he did. Ah. You know, so uh, saved the corals from the nudibranchs, but killed the fish. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, now we're going to try it out. Eel's happy, though. Uh, oh, he's, ha he's he was happy when we put 250 shrimp in there, peppermint shrimp. Yeah, peppermint there. shrimp. Sometimes, actually, I've seen instances <laughs> where the peppermint shrimp wiped out the aptasia, uh -huh. and then you see other instances where you put 200 in it, and nobody cared. And that, that that's one like the last got thing touched. they wanted to eat was that. I don't know. So who knows? Such was the case. Yeah. All right. All right. So all right. Uh, yeah, we got one last question here. And then we'll answer, and then we'll answer some, uh, some other ones. Uh, this is one we pulled, which was pretty interesting, and the reason for the plant here. Ah. Um, but Brent uh, had put in here, let me get real close to read it. He said he's been... Uh, He's been thinking about running a fresh air line to his, uh, outside of his house to increase pH, but the complexity for his house was a little tough. So his wife offered up an idea of placing some Boston ferns next to the tank to absorb CO2. And he thought that she was completely nuts, uh, but then he shows a graph here of his pH and pretty much saw, uh, he says he saw a pretty significant uh, type of increase there in a 100 square foot area. And has anyone else tried this? And will we do in a BRS TV investigates? I think that sounds like a great idea, That's man. Pretty so cool. It means based on sound science that the plants in the room are growing and uptaking uh, CO2 in the room. So, mm. I mean, nobody they got to figure out you know some kind of balance of uh, room you know, size, CO2 concentration. Yeah, and you know, and just like the refugium, if I put like a crappy little light on, it will barely grow and barely mm -hmm. consume CO2. Mm -hmm. If I put a super high-powered light on it, it will grow rapidly and consume a lot of CO2. So if you put the plants in like windows and whatnot where it gets direct sunlight, they'll probably grow faster, mm -hmm. have a higher degree or rate of photosynthesis, consume more CO2. If I got a plant in the corner that gets almost no light, just barely hanging on, yeah. probably not going to be a great solution. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the tanks, the lights, the plants next to the tank, they'll probably get tons of light from these guys oh, actually yeah. spilling over. Uh, and so maybe that's why. Now somebody had made mention too that uh, you'd have to do the research on it and find out too. But if uh, the res more respiration happens at night, 
when it's not trying to produce chlorophyll and, and photosynthesize. But it might it might respirate more. The plant might respirate more at night. Right, well, but during know. the day, it's providing uh, that the photosynthesis is providing energy and yeah, sugar. Yeah, for, sure, for sure. Right, so it may actually do it at night. I don't know, but it's worth trying. Uh, the, if it's doing it at night, it's because it was able to collect that energy and produce the simple sugar during the day yeah. to be able to do that. So in either case, the light's going to matter. That's cool. All right. All right. Let's answer a couple of these questions here. What does Jake Speed say? Uh, I thought you said last week that Terrence from Neptune no. was going to be on today. No, I think he's coming here this he's, weekend. He'll though. be here Thursday night. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly. So he'll be here I mean, Friday. I might not be here on Friday. I'm, I know I won't be. I'm going to be at my uh, sister-in-law's wedding. So oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe you guys will. Maybe you'll be is here he on Monday. staying through though. the weekend? Maybe he's staying through the weekend. I think, he is, I think he'll be here on Monday, and uh, we'll probably have him here live with you guys. If he's here Monday, he's got to come on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, prior to that, uh, <laughs> maybe you have to entertain him. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, i got a wedding, so we're going all the way up to Duluth. And all the way. Yep. Well, it's like two hours, man. Two okay, hours. that's true. Yeah, it's cold um, up there. It's terrible. <laughs> it's snowed. It's May. For any, for anybody who doesn't know Minnesota weather, it's May. It's now becoming mid-May. And just last week, it snowed ten and a half inches in Duluth in May. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's attached to the big lakes, or it's on the big lakes, so like yeah, cold Great front. Lakes, rather. Yeah. All right, cool. cool. Uh, and uh, if doing WWC hybrid method... Mm-hmm. When would you start the refugium? Oh, that was a good oh. question. I think we we kind of found this out. Uh, we found some information to it. We learned more about it uh, when we started the ULM tanks. And we kicked off a refugium or tried to kick off a refugium right off the bat. And they just wouldn't take. Uh, and this was what, like during the cycling process and everything. And I think uh, for me, I would start a refugium when I actually have like waste producers and I'm feeding the tank regularly so fish after adding fish and feeding them normally yeah you know so it's interesting because during our experiments we had uh, like uh, these those side-by-side tanks and the, uh, the ketomorphic took off right away in the ULMs mm, it didn't yeah. right yeah, that's true so I still I don't know if there's enough uh, information out, uh, out there on this one and it might have been that like the H380s were just too close to the that very well could you know, in that in that environment underneath the sump they were just too close too powerful uh, you know it could have been a variety of things but uh, I don't know I mean if I were going to do well first off it's a little different because you're talking hybrid method here and so in the hybrid method like you know what we really kind of said is this is optional if right. you want a refugium, but you don't necessarily have to have it. Yeah, a refugium is not a you know required component of it. And what Josh said is a refugium would be a great way to bridge the gap of the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the first couple of years, when you're running all kinds of nutrient problems and you don't have coral uptake uh, the same way. But once the tank's like filled with coral, in his mind, like the coral is the primary uptake of nitrogen and phosphorus from the tank. You don't really need the refugium anymore. Hmm. The problem is, like, anytime you take off a filter like that, it's a major destabilizing event. Hmm. So if you're going to put it on in the beginning, I probably just, just leave, leave it, it on. I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I'd be real hesitant to take it offline just because, like, I just haven't seen a single tank where you change a major component of the filtration like that and don't see a negative trend. Like, the ERS-160 yeah. is a Yeah, we do point. it on the 160 every time we make one of those changes <laughs> well, 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 for a few months, Big, right? Yeah. Sometimes a little longer even. Yeah. Man. So like taking the sand out of here caused all kinds of stuff, man. Mm. Like, I don't know if I would do that again. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy we did it here because we can learn and share, but like the taking out the sand, 
it was a major destabilizing event for the tank. It started causing like cyano for out of nowhere. All of a sudden, like uh, yeah, the yeah. or the uh, bryopsis took off, and then the stupid uh, uh, aptasia took off. And like those things were kind of like existing in the tank in like tiny little pockets. But they were manageable. Yeah, and then we took out the stand, man, and all of a sudden, like boom! Like this, I mean, I, I can't tell you like one for one why one one would cause the other one, other than the tank was stable. We destabilized it, and all of the things that are naturally happening there started, you know, going different directions. Yeah. And all of a sudden, those things blew up, mm -hmm. right? And so I maybe we released uh, some nutrients into the tank Very when well we were, you know, there's definitely in the back there was a what I'd call a toilet or what was it overflowing kitty litter box. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it was uh, super brown in the back, which hard to get, you know, the stuff clean. A lot of surface area that was lost too, you mm -hmm. know, back in, uh, probably a lot of like bacterial colony-wise was lost when we pulled the sand out. The ba whatever bacteria was living in, oh, in sure. and around the sand too. So mm -hmm. maybe that spurred the cyano because it's a bacteria. I don't know. I don't know, but def definitely major destabilizing. But so with your refugium, I plan on keeping it for the, the long haul. As to when I'd put it in there. You know what I do, actually, you know, because what we're doing is a four-month cycle in this case mm -hmm. with the WWC thing. And so uh, you put the fish in it, you know, probably after a couple of months yeah. and then no lights at all. But now I'm feeding and yeah. uh, I am uh, getting nitrogen and phosphorus in the tank so I could turn the fish, uh, the, the refugium on a couple of weeks after I've been putting fish food and yeah. there's fish and ammonia in the tank. And I'll probably be able to get that refugium going before I turn the lights on. And then, and you probably reduce uh, to a good degree, to some degree, uh, the brown, ugly brown face when yeah. your lights finally do come on. I can tell you this, Ben. It, like at this point, hi hybrid method, you know, whatever method you want to do. Tank's looking great. Yeah, uh, the one, yeah, for sure. That the tank's looking awesome. Man. Looking awesome. Can't wait. So the one thing that I'll tell you for sure that I will always do is uh, regardless of how long you cycle the tank for uh, ammonia and whatnot, mm -hmm. I will put all my herbivorous fish in the tank and feed them with no lights on it for at least two months, man. Yeah. Uh, and just let them get used to the tank and you know getting ready and comfortable. And then when I turn the lights on, all the herbivorous fish, like the tangs and whatnot, will be ready to eat all the algae. I'll never run into algae, which mm. is like, you know, one of the more common problems with new tanks. Yep. And like just totally solve that problem. But one of those things could definitely be is a month after that start the refugium. Oh yeah, for sure. I think one of the, out of that thing, one of the things I would always do too is now, especially, you know, an SPS tank is wait for, and I'd probably even think about it for like LPS, maybe some softies too, but I'd wait for that that uh, coralline to start growing. Mm -hmm. That's a big indicator that the tank is ready to grow, you know, calcifying corals. Uh, yep. so big, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, that was like one of the most smartest things that I heard out of him for sure. Yeah. If the tank is capable of growing calcareous algae, like coralline algae, then it's showing you that it's capable of taking care of a coral. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like, nah, it's not 100%, but what it's, if you can't grow calcareous algae, is definitely telling you there's a problem. It's not ready. Yeah, yeah. it is not ready. <laughs> so I wouldn't say, I, I'd almost say it's the, the inverse is 100% true, the, uh, the uh, original statement, maybe. Yeah. But like, I, I definitely a good sign that things are going the right way. You know, so get a little bit of uh, coralline algae from your favorite place, scrape it off, put it in. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, what's the next one? Uh, let's see what Chaz has to say at the top there. In your, in your experiments, you found that elevated alkalinity and calcium levels grow most corals faster, 
why do you not run these elevated levels on most of your tanks and recommend Alkalidave 8.5 in the hybrid method, BRSWWC hybrid method? I'll, very I'll, good question. I'll answer that one. So it's just because we've done an experiment, you know, so we did a, an experiment and if you watch that thing, I, I was real careful about how I shared it because I don't want everybody to go do that, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, oh man, you got 50% more growth. Like, let's go all, let's all run out and do that, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, the reality is, is we don't know uh, other things. I mean, like we can prove that there's more growth, but like, uh, you know, is the tissue keeping up with the skeletal rate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, do we know whether or not fish like uh, DKH of, you know, 12? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, like there's, it's hard to, you At know. any given time, you're on the verge of overdosing catastrophically. Hey, you're right on the edge. So yeah. the skill level also, right? So if I run at seven, you know, people, natural seawater people, like I'm right on the edge of six. And I know six is super bad, man. I actually don't even think seven is good. And seven, man, means that my test kit's awesome. And it's not, you know, <laughs> uh, like the, whatever you think your test kit's <clears throat> accurate to, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, and so... Uh, it, like 8.6 to me is like a good safe range is probably 8 to 9, 10, yeah. you know, right in there. And I'm, like, there. I'm not worried about it. 8.6 kind of right in the middle of there and uh, I can go up and down one and a half. Nothing catastrophic is going to happen. That yeah. is why we're there. So also there's different points in your tank. I may really want to, you know, super get super fast growth out of my tank in the beginning when the corals are this big. Yeah. Right. When true. they're colonies, and actually, it's just a big pain in the ass when they grow. Mm -hmm. uh, then you know, maybe I don't want them to do that. Smart. That it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because I think uh, when you look at the at the bucket and at the directions for Red Sea Coral Pro, which is where those higher uh, elements, those elevated elements, are, are from, mm -hmm. uh, it actually says that this isn't. It's intended for like frag systems. Probably because of the accelerated growth at those higher levels and because they're small and you want them to grow fast. I'll just say anything faster is more dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I, I don't know. That could be from driving it's a car to eating a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> you know, like, too fast, yeah, you can get it You can get it faster down, but, like, yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous. So, like, you know, I, that's why I don't recommend that, man. Like, will I, will we ultimately create a, you know, recipe for, like, super accelerated growth where we're like maintaining a pH, pH of yeah. 8.3 super stably with a scrubber. We got uh, alkalinity of 12 and uh, flow is like super max at 200x and uh, optimal light tested with the yeah. uh, 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 tri trident, you yeah. know, that's telling me when I can crank my lights up until alkalinity starts to consume back up here. Like, can you optimize growth that way? Absolutely. And will we do that? Probably. But, but not I'm, everybody owns a performance high racing car either, so no. who it's all tricked out and tuned up and computerized. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not everybody's going to run out and do all that. Too. You know, what yeah. happens, like uh, like my car, man, I start drifting or yeah. whatnot. Like, uh, some people know how to react to that, some people don't. Yeah. So you start to get burnt tips or something, some people know how to react to that, some people don't. You know? True. Uh, you know, just a total, like, off the ball uh, uh, wall thing here. Like, one of the things we saw with the XXL 750 is some of the corals were looking a little thin. And the, I mean, I couldn't believe this because, like, some of these things you just never know they, like, really work. And yeah. still, I can just say this is anecdotal a little bit. But one of the things that uh, we did is Joss is like, yeah, dude, amino acids. When corals don't look good, oh, use the yeah. aminos. So we got the Brightwell Coral Amino, 
And uh, we put that in there, man. I'm telling you, in days, dude, everything looked Flesh all puffy was looking more puffy, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Total anecdotal, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I would I would have never, ever told anybody that that was going to work that instantaneous like yeah. that. Uh, That's but the way that WWC revives their corals that have been stung or that are just doing pretty pretty bad. Just put oh. them in a tank with aminos. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, you know, easy to build components of nutrition mm. and uh, building blocks of protein and getting the tissue back in line. So, uh, bravo, man. I don't know. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but That's anyway. pretty cool. Uh, so that's why we don't do the uh, the higher levels in all tanks or recommend it because not everybody's goal is fastest possible growth. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is stable tank that allows for a little bit of buffer. And that's probably where the, the pocket that most people are in. So uh, that most people are in is uh, if I want to have a you know five to ten year successful tank, I need to be in a pocket that allows for mistakes because mistakes happen. Yeah. If I am at eight and all of a sudden I screw up and I end up end up at twelve, you know, no problem. If I'm at twelve and I screw up and I end up at sixteen, big problem. Uh, yeah, man, it may, it may be problem. catastrophic problem. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, depending on how long it was and how fast you noticed it. You know. So, uh, I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, for what it's worth, though, I, I talked to uh, a coral wholesaler at one point in time, and he told me that one of the guys he knew who was trying to grow corals as fast, they were running like Elks at 16, oh. right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, don't go do that. But, uh, <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, really? And I guess, so. you know, like, that means that there is twice as much uh, carbonate alkalinity in the water as there is running at 8, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, I don't want to go and say it's going to grow twice as fast, but, I mean, if you're in the business of selling coral, uh, I would try that. Mm -hmm. If my business here was to sell coral and I had the, the way that I feed my family is this one turns into two and two turns into four and four turns into eight, uh, the faster coral. that happens, man. Screaming at it, girl. you know what? <laughs> I have no problem if through some of my, some of my experiences uh, all these die. Yeah. Because uh, ultimately the successes that I find is going to put more captive grown coral uh, into the market and I'm going to save more coral and reduce the demand and taking it out of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so like those experiments are running it super high like that. I wouldn't do it with my display, but I would absolutely do it in a controlled environment like that. Tanks, yeah. Especially, man, if I'm looking for, I'm, I'm like super, super skilled and trying to drift my car. Yeah, you know? true. Uh, awesome. Uh, I mean, let's shoot a couple out. We got we got we got about what do we have? Two minutes. Well, let's burn through Aziz as fast as we can. Answer all these guys' got questions, and right. then we'll uh, uh, call it a day. All right, sounds good. All right, Aloha uh, Reef. Can you do a test on carbon reactor medias in empty tanks over a short period of time with ICP testing before and after to see what trace elements are added, if any? We already did it. We did it, and um, waiting on one result to come back, and uh, I got actually got to send out uh, another one, so. Probably looking at a couple weeks on this one. Yeah, so I don't know if this is the best method for this, uh, but you know, I mean, we're hey, running a calcium reactor right now. People are watching this so. live for an hour, man. I'll, I'll leak some information. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, so what we did is run the thing at max saturation and then just tested the sent in ICP solution, right? Yep. So the alkalinity and calcium is real high in Sky. there. Yeah. Right. And what we found was that. It really isn't uh, like measurable. I mean, you're only increasing it Ooh. like 20% or something, you know, yeah. a lot of these things. So measuring it that way is going to be really, really hard to 
pick up some of these things that are on the edge of even being able to be measured in the first place. Right, right, So right, right. Uh, we didn't see a lot. I did see with the reborn magne or reborn calcium, which is the little reef bones from two little fishes, yeah. definitely add strontium. Oh yeah. Uh, by like a good good degree. With uh, the Lycoral Azarius and the uh, Carob C, which is pretty similar mm -hmm. medias, they didn't add a whole lot of strontium. They're different medias. You can look at it and see right away. Yeah. However, uh, the Coral Azarius and the uh, arm media add less phosphate. So yeah, that's true. I mean, you're melting, you know, uh, old coral. coral skeleton, man, that has definitely got phosphate bound like, up in it. Yeah. See, yeah. I mean, something similar to, probably not to the same degree, but something similar like you would find if you pull... Uh, Pukani rock from the ocean, and you're mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna have some kind of organic on it at some point in time, probably. So. Well, that was actually one. Of, this is a good question, man. Thank you for asking. Uh, because when I was watching the guys over at uh, uh, at what WWC, they were like, you know, describing some of their systems, and they're like, uh, what's the lanthium chloride thing that the right whale uses? Uh, phosphate. Oh, phos. I don't know, they have goofy names. We've, we've got a bottle back. Phos reducer deluxe, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever it is. <laughs> so, what is it called? Neuro Neophos. 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 Uh, there you go. So you're removing the phosphate, and it's just lanthium chloride, precipitates it out, and it's either removed by your skimmer or a filter pad, or it just settles out somewhere, and it will never dissolve in a normal pH. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were, like, using that to reduce the phosphate levels in the tank, and they're like, and, but all the conversation about, you know, nitrogen was, yeah, the coral's up there, you know, like, what food are you feeding it's out of that out of balance you know yeah so you gotta uh, constantly kind of you know keep the phosphate in check and now i know it's not the food it's you know probably well, the calcium reactor they, they gotta have a mega calcium, calcium reactor reactors. in there and they've got a lot of coral uptake and so they're definitely adding a four source of phosphorus mm. with the mm. calcium reactor in yeah. there or we all are uh and uh you know so they just use that tool to remove it and the cool thing about the neophos is like I can do an amount, you know. So once you got an experience using it on your tank, you can find out that if my phosphate level was uh, 0.1, I could dose, you know, I'm gonna make this number up, but 30 milliliters of it, mm -hmm. and it will be point, you know, zero 05. Point. Yeah. And that means that for every 30 milliliters I dose this stuff, I will remove 0.5, mm -hmm. right? Wow, man! Like you can't do that with GFO. No. You know, GFO, it's just take it all out, <laughs> right? Take it all, uh, all at know, once. And that works super great in some instances, but in a tank that's got you know 80 grand in coral in it, like they got, oh, yeah. like strip it all out. Bad that, news. Not the answer. No, no, right? no, no. And so for them to be able to just manage it, and like they know right away, up oh, phosphate level is this, go dose that. They almost don't even have to look because they've had so much experience and it just works. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, the it brings up a, I mean, it brings up some even even more experiments that we could do on it. Like so there. So okay, there's phosphorus and phosphate in the some of the in these medias uh so if you cure it beforehand do you mm -hmm. get uh, less of it so if you don't want it right off the bat or what are ways you can uh, get rid of it initially so it's not there or how long does it take for it to deplete if it has been running for a while so you know what uh, actually it's funny man i was telling jeremy at brightwell they, they they like it was too bad i think we got rid of them i, I maybe i didn't check we used to sell this uh, Eheim phosphate media. It was like GFO, but they were big, huge pellets. Ah. And I'm like, hey, man, you could just put that stuff inside of like the secondary media reactor. Like specifically, the Vertex one has like you know the main chamber, then another chamber, and then there's like there's this a little, little cup. cup. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's actually Ford phosphate material. Is it really? Right. Yeah. And ah. I'm like, 
Because I would have put I would put magnesium media in the bottom portion, and then yeah, that makes sense. I could put okay. some phosphate. Okay, so yeah, you could put that. And he's like, hey, dude, you could use the you know export bricks. Well, they've so got the little cubes and stuff. The tiny they? little cubes that you could throw in there. So it would be fun to try. My only concern is that I've heard that uh, GFO can you know precipitate out some amount of alkalinity. So what's happening when I'm dumping 40 dKH water over GFO? Oh yeah, who yeah, knows? Yeah, so we'll well we'll know. We'll know. I yeah, we'll I, test know. It. I want to test it and find that's out cool. the answer to that question. Yeah. But uh, you know, so that's a potential solution. That also feed your you know skimmer right into your fugium or, or your not your skimmer your your reactor. Your reactor the reactors yeah. definitely add some amount of phosphate. So do your foods. So do your you know almost anything organic going yeah. in the tank. These are coral skeletons going in there. So, hmm. uh, but outside of that, strontium with the the reborn media, and then the rest of it was like, I'm not willing to comment on it, but it like not overwhelming. You know, like hmm. oh look at all these trace elements that it's adding. Uh, I think a lot of those trace elements are bound up in the live tissue of the coral, right. and less so in the calcium carbonate based skeleton. Makes sense. So. Uh, you know, iodine, molybdenum, those are all things that live, uh, you know, like a lot of it in the organic tissue of the coral that isn't going to exist uh, in great vast amounts inside of the skeletal structure. Yeah. All right. Uh, is it okay to use baking soda to raise alkalinity? Absolutely. Did it for many, many years. And we tested uh, baking soda off the shelf versus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the farmer grade stuff and then some other uh, bulk type of aquarium type products. And mm -hmm. there wasn't. I mean, a massive difference, other than maybe some insoluble materials in baking soda. Yeah, it, was, it was the bulk, the baking soda that you get at the at the store, man. Like, uh, not tremendously different than uh, uh, the stuff that you, you know, aquarium, you know, yeah. sodium bicarbonate, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, some of it's USP grade, some of it's food grade. In this case, the such a huge demand for purified food grade it's it's pretty good stuff and yeah. you know it's cheap i i would personally if i was in a pinch i'd go buy a box of arm and hammer and never think twice about I've it done it uh if i was going to use something for the next 10 years uh i you know there's like stuff builds up and like one of the impurities that we found in there was copper you know in almost all of them oh uh, true. and yeah. so like i just don't want to use the wrong thing for and also, you know, somebody asked you, can you bake the baking soda, turn it into soda ash? You can absolutely do that. I did it. Yeah, me too, man. Did it for years, yep. right? And so uh, you can do that. Like, sometimes you just, like, don't do the math. And I did the math the other day on how, like, I, you know, I had to run the thing, man, to get it to the, you have to do the weight, by the way. So you, if you dry it in the oven, man, you're like, oh, yeah, it looks, looks dried. I don't know. It's starting to turn right? flaky. You yeah. have to weigh it, man, and make sure that it actually got rid of what it was supposed to, you know, yeah. you know to work the way that you want. And, like, so, I mean, I was baking that stuff for an hour plus, and, like, if you go look at how much it costs to run your oven for, for that an long. hour, man, uh, and then your time <laughs> and stuff, and it's like, man, I got $3 in electricity uh, or whatnot, or ga yeah. natural gas into this thing. For like and cents of savings or dollars yeah, of savings. And I saved uh, 4 bucks, but it took an hour of my time. And, like, Keeping come to think house. of it, I'm not really sure, man. I was putting it on top. I didn't want to put it on the cookie sheet because the cookie sheet's got cookie on it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I'll put it on aluminum foil. But, like, come to think of it, like, I don't know what 
how it aluminum foil reacts. reacts yeah. With, yeah. So like I don't know. Yes, I I wouldn't bake it personally anymore. It's just like it's just too cheap. To, mm. There's too many op options to not have to do that anymore. But yeah. if I was gonna use just for alkalinity, like I want to go like bump it up, go buy a box of iron and hammer, no problem, man. Uh, I just probably wouldn't use it. Like it's my primary alkalinity yeah. thing for ten years, and I'm sure a hundred people have done it. Uh, the only uh, maybe even more, like thousands of people. The difference in there is that mix of like, yeah, I had success. Yeah, I did. You know, you don't know yeah. like what corals they had, how often they're doing it, what kind of water change schedule they had, you know, all that kind of stuff. But in a pinch man, for sure, uh, use it. Was it play a buck? Oh, for, for a box? Yeah, uh, and that's much. gonna that's gonna make quite a bit. Uh, probably at least a half a gallon, not three quarters of a gallon in that box. Yep. For what it's worth, we now sell the USB grade stuff in a little pouch. Single you know, use. And it's worth probably five bucks. Yeah, we can know, And I don't know, yeah, and peace of mind. Cool. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, transferring live rock from is a, from, from a it. neglected kink to a smaller system. Should I scrub off um, the buildup? The buildup on the yeah. rock will eventually clear up over time. Huh. Uh, so this kind of gets to some of those videos we've been doing on like yeah, uh, curing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you can, I mean, I would definitely scrub it. You know, if I don't, if I don't, if they're, if it's super dirty and it's got all kind of garbage on it, I would definitely scrub all that stuff. There is no reason to pollute a new tank with old tank garbage. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah, I'd uh, mix up salt water so I can save, I mean, essentially save as much bacteria as on there. If I want to keep this stuff live, live rock, mm -hmm. then I just fill up like a trash can or even some five gallon buckets if I got it, shake it in one, move to the next one, scrub in that one, shake in the next one, and I'd probably set up a series of like rinse stations and scrubbing stations. And, and I gotta be so, I gotta I'm, I'm finally, I, I'm pretty sold on the whole concept of using the right tool for the right job, mm -hmm. so like, if I'm gonna do that and I got sludge all over it, I'm probably gonna go buy one of those bacteria things. Uh, oh, the you know, yeah, the, the waste away, or the, um, the Brightwell Brightwell clean bacteria microbacter clean. Something. Yeah, so these are like different types of bacteria that are scavenging bacteria. Mm -hmm. They're aggressive, larger bacteria that scour the surface of the rock and you know break down stuff fast, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've heard enough people. From, I haven't done it myself, but I've seen from enough people that I trust that are like, yeah, man, I used it, and all of a sudden my skimmer went nuts, and all this things, the stuff sloughed off into the bottom of the sump. I was amazed at it. Like, <laughs> really, man? Hmm. You know, like, uh, uh, I just, I'm, I'm willing to try it for sure now. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things you're like, oh, the bacteria, the thing, but like, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm believing in it. Aggressive you know? bacteria. So I would definitely, and what is it, man? It's like 15 bucks. For a bottle? So yeah. And it treats like a lot too, yeah. Yeah, so I'd definitely give it a shot. And, you know, the, the difference between those two, I think, is that the microbacter clean is like a dormant bacteria that take all the oxygen out. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the little cysts stay cysts. Then when you open it up, all of a sudden it's supposed to oxygen, put it in the tank, and they come alive. Uh, that means that it, I think it freezes. can ship pretty yeah, well. Freezes, yeah, freezes. Like in the summer, it doesn't have the same hot issues. Cold doesn't have the same cold issues mm. uh, versus the live stuff. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. Oh, and Dr. Uh, the Waste Away comes in like little gel tab type oh, things yeah. that you can stick inside the tank. It's time release, 30-day 30, like 30 gel tab type things. I, you know what? I forgot about that. Yeah. So I did have a personal experience with that. Yeah. He sent me those, those uh, waste away things, and I had a tank that was uh, filled with uh, cyano. I put him in, the cyano went away. I, 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 
for real. <laughs> uh, like, I I couldn't believe these little gel tabs. I tried it in another tank and it didn't do it in the na another tank. So it's just that was just like biological wars that are happening. Yeah. And you never know what's really going to win. Yeah. But, uh, same thing with those gel tabs though is uh, they don't have the same heat and uh, summer issues. Shippable. And yeah. they are time release and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely check Pretty those cool. things out. But so if you're going to do that, I would. Uh, you know, scrub it. scrub it. If you have pests like Aptasia, bubble algae, and stuff that you do not want to start your new tank with, uh, bleach, bleach it, it. Man. And so, like somebody pointed out the other day, and I don't know if this is true or not, but like that Clorox or whatnot has like soap in it. So mm. whatever you do, uh, use the bleach that is just bleach. Don't go. Uh, make sure it doesn't have any scents to it or yeah, so. You don't want your lavender bleach for this one. N no, you don't <laughs> want lavender bleach or lemon zest. Or yeah. So Save bleach it, it will break. Use all the organics. will break it all down. Use a dechlorinator to make it safe again. Let it dry out and uh, give it some good rinses. But that will get all the organics off of it. Otherwise, just natural cure it. Uh, dry it out in the air. Let everything die, and then natural cure it. Yeah. You know, there might still be some stuff that makes. I'd, I'd, I'd say that it probably to dry out naturally in the air. Like it's going to take warm, sunny, dry weather. Uh, like set it outside almost type weather. You probably could like lay it down in the ba lay it out in the basement, put a fan on it, and then probably dry it out pretty quick. That's where you keep it from the elements outside. So, one thing you don't do: don't blow torch it and oh, don't boil don't it. Don't boil it. Yeah, like uh, not, I hear that question smart. all the time, man. Uh, the corals have toxins in them, specifically things like zoanthids. Blows up in your face, you kill your family. So don't it's do that, just man. Not worth uh, it. Don't don't turn zoanthids into uh, noxious gas. Uh, so uh, definitely don't do that one. All right, what's next? I got four more. Quick. Have uh, have we figured out a way to reuse CO2 absorption media yet? There is. Oh yeah, the recyclator guy. Uh, yeah. All right. So right here. Uh, so you can't reuse the media. The media is done once it's uh, essentially it's carbon. Calcium it's hydroxide. Calcium hydroxide. Mm -hmm. So essentially, what happens is uh, CO2 enters in there and it turns into limestone. Uh, you can turn limestone back into uh, uh, sodium hydroxide with a tremendous amount of heat, like. I don't know how many thousands of degrees or whatever, yeah. but not in your house. Uh, I, I think uh, Chad here tried to use a blowtorch and it just uh, <laughs> burnt up, so it can't do that. So, uh, but what you can do is uh, reuse it, is pump already scrubbed air through it. So if you think about this normally, there would be like a uh, protein skimmer here yeah. and pump would uh, draw out of the media and this would just suck out of the fresh air. And uh, you know, essentially, you're removing all of the CO2 from the room, mm -hmm. and uh, eventually, it's going to go quick depending on how much CO2 you have in the room. Well, it depends how big the room is, because yeah. it only kind of probably maintains that room. Maybe it's hiding under your sump or in your fish room, and it actually just removes most of the CO2 in that room, and eventually it will leak and you know share with each other. But mm. like, uh, if it's in a small fish room, probably just keeps that room relatively CO2 free, right? right? All right. So, but the problem is, is you're, you're just cleaning the whole room essentially of CO2 all the time and you burn through all the media. All right, so if this was the skimmer and I suck it in the pump here, what would happen, you know, all that air leaves out the top of the cup, you know, eventually, you know, like yeah. all the bubbles, the bubbles and everything go to the top. What if I ported that air back into the CO2 media. <laughs> so you're recirculating right? its yeah. own air, which so, has already been scrubbed. Yeah, it's already been scrubbed, you mm. know, so I'm just taking air-water interface and pumping it through, you know, through these things, and I'm gonna get an environment, man, where this media probably now lasts me like forever. 
it might even work too well where the pH of the tank actually gets too high, in which case you probably put a little valve on it and allow some fresh air in or some complex thing of uh, yeah. solenoids or whatnot. Terrence has been watching, or if you want to pester Terrence, tell him that we want an apex ready, three eighths inch solenoid, so we can do this uh, with our <laughs> apex. I want it like I wanted it last year when I asked him the first time. Yeah, uh, but it, not enough of you guys have pestered him yet for it. But if you do that, then we could use the media only when we need it. You know, and we could take air from uh, uh, the room, or take air that's already been scrubbed, and maintain a super stable pH all the time. Uh, the only kind of problems that uh, I read about this so far. There's a couple, yeah, and there's a couple of people that are doing it on the forums uh, mm -hmm. that have tagged us in it after we had mentioned it. Uh, one thing that I've heard for sure is a check valve on the inlet side be between the skimmer lid and the inlet side of this because there's times where it backs up with crud and it fills up. Uh, the line going back to it, and then it just pretty much you know, like can clog it out or fill with water and then get back into the media. Interesting. So I'd be curious how the check valve works, especially if it, how it works in terms of, air. of like, you know, slowing the air down. I yeah. don't know. But that was one of the things. If you got a cup up here, if the skimmer, you know, there's all kinds of things that makes the skimmer go nuts, right? Yeah. Like uh, all kinds of different things happen in the tank. Uh, you know, it could be you turn the power off or some of the sump level goes up, you know, anything. Uh, some you know bubble gum mix in the tank, whatever. So inside of here, you got your skimmer cup, and if the thing goes nuts, then all of a sudden the foam comes up and it starts sucking foam into your media. This is calcium hydroxide for the most part, and all of a sudden that slush gets all wet and starts making its way back into your skimmer, which gets flushed into the tank. There's also like a ethyl, you know, violet uh, dye or oh, whatever yeah, yeah. in here that Turns changes color as it's consumed. So you just don't want to get this stuff wet is the big thing, mm -hmm. right? So there's a couple of things I think you could do to stop that. One is like a skimmer, like uh, from uh, the octopus guys, the, With the Varios one. Uh, With the float switch on it? Yes. What's it called? The though? Varios. No, it's the Varios pump. It's the Varios Regal. The Regals. Regal guys. So it's got a float in it, and when yeah. the float, you know, when the thing gets full, it just turns it off, which will stop it from, you know, sucking foam into here. Uh, and also I've heard that in that environment this thing can get kind of moist and maybe bubble up a, a little bit. It's pulling from water. a really humid environment inside yeah. that skimmer cup. The humid environment actually makes the media last a lot longer as well. Yeah. Uh, so drying out the media actually causes problems. And so actually if you don't, you don't have it uh, sitting in front of us, but one of the giant ones, so we have these guys that sit on legs and whatnot, yeah. uh, and they hold like four times as much media in there. So oh, yeah. this guy might wait, last a week or two, and then you need to change it out. Uh, that guy will last four times as long. And on the bottom, it actually has a little screw top. Yep. So if our water ever got in there, you can just let it drain out. True. You know? yep. So that's, that's pretty cool. And so some of you might say, hey, man, Change it out every week or two? That sounds like a That's lot, awesome. man. I don't know. They're about five bucks for a, a change out. Yeah. And we're about to release the pH uh, related investigates where we ran one at 7.8 and one, or 8.3 and 7.8. And you're looking at 30% more growth inside of three months, which extrapolates out, right? Like, so 30% on top of 30%, on top of 30%, on top of 30% means that inside of a year, it's actually probably about 100% more growth. So if I got a tank just riddled with uh, SPS corals or anything mm -hmm. that tiny, tiny little sticks all over my tank or little corals that I want to grow out no matter what they are, if I get them to grow out twice as fast, 
There's probably not a single place where five bucks could actually make that twice as fast in a year. Five bucks in a week or every two weeks yeah. or whatever it is. Hmm. So, uh, I don't know, man. But if you do it recirculating, uh, the one of these things probably lasts months. So we plan on testing this, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. The recirculating thing is going to make the next series of uh, experiments. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we can get it firsthand. Uh, I'm not sure one. that Skimmer will use exactly, but we're, we're definitely going to move it on up and try that out for everybody. I think that'll be an exciting one. If we do it in we the should UN probably try this little plant guy too. Yeah, yeah I, that one we'd have to. I'd have to find a room that doesn't that we don't fluctuate CO2 like crazy. I don't know. Or uh, we can monitor it with PA. We can send it to somebody's house. All right, a uh, couple we, more. All right, uh, that's it. Uh, oh, wait, we got, we're 19 minutes over. What do you all think about the Trident? Uh, I like it. And right now it's awesome. Uh, so I'm watching it for the one scene. It actually told us that. Uh, so I was talking like last week or the week before about the increase in alkalinity and how I need to calibrate and everything. And then afterwards, Josh came to me and he goes, uh, he goes, the numbers that you had on your Trident weren't exactly right, but there was a definite trend upwards because of less consumption uh, from like probably the bryopsis cure or whatever was happening. So the all yeah. Yep. So. All right, man. Cool. Well, that's it. We're going to call it a day. And for those of you who don't know, uh, we're giving away four orders a day. So become a preferred reefer. Uh, and uh, in, in your box, man, we'll yeah. see one of these things. If you don't want to place an order, uh, put some in your wish list. Yeah, dude, wish list, dude. Up to 500 put bucks. Put 500 bucks in your wish uh, list. Yeah, whatever it is you're thinking about, try it in. Well, I don't know. You can't probably put that in your car right now because you don't have uh, it. You might. But, I don't know if you can. An Apex. Somebody uh, uh, Whatever. Anything you want to put Throw up to 500 bucks. We are giving away that every single day this month. We're giving four orders away every single month. Open up your box. Almost One of these guys through. inside the catalog, man, it's free. And also, 10x rewards for preferred reapers. So uh, 10% of everything that you buy uh, from the things that uh, qualify, like DRS products and a whole bunch of other uh, brands that are t participating. All month. Uh, all month, all man, month. goes right back so you get new stuff next month. So at minimum, man, like hit the button and become a preferred reaper. It's free. Do the 500 buck thing because we're doing it every day. Yeah. We gave away what was it, 13,700 dollars worth of stuff already this month. I think, man, we'll probably end about 40,000. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna add it up. I think it's 30. This number keeps going up. I don't know. Add stuff to your wish lists. All right, bravo, yeah. man. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Peace.